The problem with maintaining the fear of the Lord, we like to be in control. We've got to ask God, help me to stay conscious of the fact I'm always dependent. And when I'm not thinking that way, I will become an arrogant mess. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Loretz. Crawford has been leading us through a series of messages titled Awestruck, and we're getting a fresh biblical perspective of what it means to fear God. Thanks for joining us. Crawford is the former pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Broswell, Georgia, and the messages you hear on Living a Legacy represent his 15 years of ministry at Fellowship. Crawford is also the author of several books, and among them, Unshaken, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, and Make It Home Before Dark. He now heads a ministry called Beyond Our Generation, which provides mentoring resources to those in Christian leadership. Well, today we conclude our series, Awestruck, and so far we've looked at the biblical definition of fear, the blessing of fear, and today Crawford will take us to Psalm 34, verses 8 through 18 to complete his list of five ways in which God's fear can become our friend. Here are the first three. Take time to experience Him. Second, we must decide to fear God. And number three, we listen and learn from His people. If you're just now joining us for the series, at the end of today's teaching, I'll tell you how to easily listen to the previous messages. Again, our text, Psalm 34. Let's join Crawford Loritz for today's Living a Legacy. There's a relationship between pride and experience that is dangerous. Sometimes older folks call themselves mature when they're really cynical. When you cannot be taught, you're in a dangerous place. When you cannot be corrected, you're in a dangerous place. If somebody cannot look in the eye and tell you something, and you're constantly reacting to them, you're in a dangerous place. So I think what David is saying here, look, look, oh children, oh children, oh children, maintain, maintain, maintain that posture. And he says, listen to me, the idea of watch and learn how to fear the Lord from those who have walked with the Lord for a while. He's inviting them to, to step into an incarnational journey. Watch me. It's like Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. There are models all around you of people who fear the Lord. Find them, learn from them, submit to them. As I was studying this past week and came across this passage here, this verse, I thought of. When I was 13, 14, 15, and 16 years old, we went to, I, got, I became a believer in a very small church there in uh, uh, northern New Jersey, and in that church there were these, this couple, the Hewans. They, they were, they were um, sort of like volunteers and youth sponsors there. We didn't have a big youth group. It was like you know, a handful, a dozen, 12 or so kids or whatever. And, uh, and my eyes filled with tears this week as I thought about them. Much of what I've learned about the fear of the Lord, I saw it modeled in them. They were a, an amazing, godly couple. Unbelievable. And the love that they had and their walk with the Lord was infectious. 
Uh, we used to call him Uncle Peter, not Loki. Her, her name was Dolores. I don't know where Loki came from, but we used to call him that. And, uh, you know, we would be in, in youth meetings, I kid you not, and we'd be talking about issues or things that we're going through or whatever it was. And they would stop and say, all right, let's all get on our knees and pray. Pray for Crawford. Pray for Gloria. Pray for Richard. God's got what you need. And we just saw this authentic, rich, wonderful passion for God. Children, come here. Let me teach you the fear of the Lord. This implies a number of things here. I, it means that we'd always be discipled. Always. This is not just for younger believers, and I think this is where we make a huge, huge mistake. One of the reasons why older Christians get cynical is that all they have is peers speaking into their lives, and they're not submitted to being discipled, not necessarily by older folks. In fact, the older I get, the math ain't working. Some of my, you know, my, my disciples, people disciple me are dying off, and so I got to tell you that. And I submit to some of these younger dudes. My point is this. Never follow anybody that's not following somebody. And there's never a time in your life where it's okay not to follow somebody. We all need to be discipled because the Christian life was meant to be not only didactic, but it was meant to be incarnational where we feel it and we sense it and we see what we need to become. We see the power of Christ in the hearts and lives of others, and we allow them to imprint us. But I also think this, in a way, uh, backs us into uh, uh, to, to respecting and revering God's word. We need to have a high view of the scriptures. This is the living word of God. This is the voice of God. This is the voice of God. Uh, you've heard me say this before. I've, I've talked to people, you know, uh, uh, people have said to me, Crawford, I just want to hear God's voice. One time somebody said this to me, I opened up my Bible and said, read it out loud. <laughs> he just spoke, <laughs> you know. Come on, man. I mean, he spoke. We need to revere his word. And I also think, and this doesn't say it in the text, but perhaps I'm taking a tad bit of liberty here, but I, I also think that this implies respond to God's discipline. Don't make the Lord spank you for the same thing twice. Listen and learn from people. Need to stay teachable. Third way in which we uh, nurture the fear of the Lord, make the fear of the Lord our friend, it's found actually in this section, verses 12 through 16. And that is by cultivating a holy life. And I just love the fact that David puts this in here and he doesn't speak in ethereal terms. What he says is that, you know, actually it's not difficult to understand how to nurture to fear the Lord, but you do have to pay a price to do it. And this is the reason why more, more of us don't do it. It's easy to talk about the fear of the Lord and podcast and listen to the messages and just share the outlines and this kind of thing. But, but there's a price that you have to pay if this is going to be real and authentic in our lives. 
This is the heavy lifting of discipleship. This is the heavy lifting of really, really bringing my line, my life in line uh, with the reality of what I profess and what I say. This is where authentic transformation takes place. And so in verse 12, for example, um, um, uh, David raises a, a series of rhetorical questions. He said, what man is there who desires life? And what man is there who loves many days that he may see good? I think it's a rhetorical, the answer is obvious. Oh, sure, we want that. Yeah, who wouldn't want that? Point being, you know, you, everybody has an aspiration to live a fulfilling, enjoyable life. That's what I want. So you really want it? Yeah, that's what I want. You really want joy? Yeah, that's what I want. You really want fulfillment? Yeah, that's what I want. I want that. What are you willing to do? What, what do you think? This is just going to wash over you? You think it's going to be some spiritual hocus pocus kind of thing? Boom, I'm there. What are you willing to do? Don't, don't hear me as backing away from grace. It all, it all, it all is grace. But grace does not mean passivity. Grace is just a motivation, get this, for obedience. So what do we do? And so we have him in verses 13 to 14, he says, okay, if you want to cultivate a life that reflects the fear of the Lord, um, here are four habits. And he does, he gives us four habits under, underneath, underneath this, this banner of cultivating a holy life. Okay, here are the four habits. Here the rhetorical question, of course you want fulfillment. Of course you want to spite of these things. Oh, okay, well, here are the four things you have to do. The first thing he mentions in verse 13, he says, you need to control your tongue. He says, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? He says, one, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. You say, Crawford, in context, how, do you, how does that relate to the fear? Well, it does. It relates to the fear of the Lord because in this regard, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Our mouth re represents the expression of our identity. What we say declares who we are. And if you want to cultivate the fear of the Lord, Make sure your words match that reality. You want to do this? You want to cultivate this? Crawford, watch your mouth. In other words, avoid malicious negative talk and speaking lies, deceit. Don't lie. Don't run people down. Don't be a nasty person with your words. Don't be cynical and sarcastic with your tongue. Watch your mouth. Secondly, control your behavior. First part of verse 14 says, turn away from evil. Turn your back on evil. You gotta do this. You're nurturing a holy life. You're nurturing this holy life that reflects the fear of the Lord. Not only do you watch what you say, you gotta turn your back Turn away from evil. Avoid evil. Turn your back to evil. Avoid circumstances that are not of God. Clean it up, man. There's too many loose ends. Clean it up. Clean it up. You don't need to be going to those sites on the internet. Clean that up, man. Clean up your act. 
There's some people in your life that you need to cut loose. Why? Because they don't mean good, they don't mean you any good, and they keep pulling you down. You, you don't need to go there. Clean it up. Now, don't, don't hear me as saying that we need to withdraw from the world. You can't impact that which you don't come in contact with. But what I am saying is this. We've got to be careful of the negative influences in our lives. Some of us have certain habits and things that we're doing that we know before the Lord it's not right. So in context, he's saying, well, you, you, you're being duplicitous, Crawford. You, you, you're doing this stuff over here, and yet you say you want to cultivate a fear of the Lord. That ain't happening. It's oil and water. Your behavior has to tell the truth about your theology. And so if you want to cultivate this fear of the Lord, now this is heavy lifting here. This ain't for the faint-hearted. You ask how much it costs, well, here's a, here's a price, Jack. If you want to do this, if you want to do this, you've got to watch your mouth, control your speech, and secondly, you've got to control your behavior. Thirdly, he says positively, well, you have to do good. Again, verse 14, turn away from evil and do good. In other words, act in a way that is good for people. Not only be a good person, but do good. Do good. Well, what do people think when they come in contact with you? What do you think? Now, you know, let's just be truthful. Some of us have attitudes that are repulsive. Some of us are moody and cranky. I mean, I, it, this is my heart's desire, and you pray for me about this. I, I, I just want people... When they come in contact with me, they come in contact with goodness. No, you're not kissing up the folks. Don't hear me say that. But they come in contact with goodness. Life is too short. I'm getting older, okay? You know, as I watch older people, they tend to, as they get older, they tend to fall in one or two categories. Y'all know where I'm going with this? One category, they tend to get older and sweeter and wonderful and open and engaging and all that. The other category, <laughs> it's just like, ain't that, that's right, good, thank you. I mean, it's just like, they get older and cynical and nasty and critical you don't want to be around them. The point, the point that the text says that the more you, the more you, the more you nurture the fear of the Lord, the text doesn't say it, but the, the, the context drips with it. You nurture that fear, you want to nurture goodness, you want to decide to be good in the purest, comprehensive sense of that expression. The fourth habit. The last line of verse 14 says, seek peace and pursue it. If you want to nurture the fear of the Lord, you seek peace and you pursue it. Now, peace is not just a cessation of hostility. We, we tend to say that peace means that no warfare. But he, he's talking about being aggressive about seeking peace. Uh, Jesus said it this way in the, in, the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount that, that we're to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I didn't say peacekeepers. 
Peacekeepers can be negative and passive where you're not solving anything, you're compromising. But he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. Uh, we're to diligently pursue actions that will contribute to the happiness and well-being of others. And we wanna, we, wanna be, we wanna be people who not only do good, but we wanna be people who solve problems. We wanna be people who are reconcilers. We don't wanna be, we don't wanna be people who are fussing all the time. You know, I had an experience many years ago, um, I, again, I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, and um, long story, I had a meeting with Dr. Bright, and there's something that I was concerned about uh, that was an issue to me, that I didn't like and I wasn't happy about that was going along on in the organization, but also had an idea, so. so. But before I went in, in that meeting, now we're talking, this is like, gosh, 30 years ago. Before I went into that meeting, Steve Douglas, who is now the president of Campus Crusade for Christ, was vice president back then, he pulled me in the office, he said to me, Crawford, let me give you a piece of advice. When you go into the meeting, actually, you know, Bill Bright's a big, Dr. Bright's a big man and he can handle what you have to say. However, let me give you a piece of advice. If you really want to be heard, if you go into that meeting with a criticism, make sure you also have a possible solution. Amen. Uh, that's a lifelong lesson of mine. I have taken that, and I, that's a rule of mine. I, I will not write a letter, a criticism, an email, a criticism, or anything like that to anybody unless I'm offering a positive solution. I think that that's part of the Christian life. To critique something doesn't take much smart. You don't have to be smart to critique anything, to be negative and, and, and reactive. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be truth speakers, and I'm not, I'm not fussing at anybody here, but I'm just saying, keeping with the text, God is a great reconciler. To fear God, God solves problems. And so if we're going to nurture the fear of the Lord, then we need to be in that great line of peacemakers. I didn't say that you mince your words and that you don't say what needs to be said. But ultimately, we're to be solution-oriented. But these are the things we have to nurture. Now, there are two outcomes. One is positive and one is negative. The first outcome of doing these habits, embracing these habits, number one, verse 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The providential care of the Lord is toward those who are committed to living righteous, holy lives. That is cultivating the fear of the Lord. And when it says the eyes of the Lord, it's, it's, it's an it's a, it's a anthropomorphic uh, metaphor that, that it really means that the heart and the attention of God, the, 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 the God's heart is pleased. And his favor is over here. Because she did that. But then negatively, verse 16 says, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. That's a scary text here. In other words, God's hostility is toward those who do evil, who don't fear him, and eventually they will find <laughs> that their memory is faded away and ultimately eternally forgotten. In heaven, there will be no discussion of names of folks who are in hell. Product of the fear of the Lord. The fourth and the final, or the fifth and the final pathway 
to nurturing and making fear your friend, frankly, is to pray, to cry out to him. <laughs> Listen to what the text says here. Verses 17 and 18 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. What sweet, sweet words. See, those who fear the Lord are constantly aware of his powerful presence. We get frightened, we get intimidated, but God doesn't. And he surrounds us. We fear him. That's what verse four is about. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Said this before, the solution to fear is fear. The solution to the fear of man is fear. The solution to the fear of circumstances is fear. The fear of God. And by the way, that one line there that says, uh, crushed in spirit, refers to those who have nothing good to look forward to. And God says in so many words, you may have nothing good to look forward to on a horizontal plane, but Yahweh, Jehovah, verse 18, the Lord is near. And that term for God, for Lord, is Jehovah. The name Jehovah really is as an abbreviation, it's the unspeakable term. It means, um, it refers to when God identifies with the human predicament. As long as you have me, you have more than good. The problem with maintaining the fear of the Lord is that our pride is never eradicated. That's why it is an intentional thing. We like to be in control. We like that. And we've gotta, we've gotta ask God, help me to stay conscious of the fact. I'm always dependent. I always am. And when I'm not thinking that way, I will become an arrogant mess. Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy, five ways in which God's fear can become our friend. Here they are once again. Number one, take time to experience Him. Number two, we must decide to fear God. Number three, we listen and learn from His people. Number four, cultivate a holy life. And number five, cry out to God. And with that, we wrap up Crawford's series titled Awestruck, looking at what it means to fear God. Now, if you missed out on our series, hear all of the messages on our website. Listen at your convenience at livingalegacy.org. Click on the link, Past Programs, livingalegacy.org. Or download the messages for free. Look for the MP3 link near the upper right-hand corner of our webpage. Let me mention this once again. If you're a longtime listener to Living a Legacy, we'd be so grateful to hear from you. Check in and let us know you're there. Click on the contact link. Fill out the info and just add a couple of sentences. Now, maybe you found the Awestruck series to be especially meaningful for you. That would be encouraging for Crawford to know about. Go to contact at livingalegacy.org. That's livingalegacy.org. Thank you so much. 
Apple Crawford begins a new series next week and hope you'll be right back here with us. I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.